Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. Amen. Wow, you guys look better than when you came in. So worship was good. (laughs) Well, you guys can turn with me to uh, John chapter 14. Uh, some of you guys were in the first service, some of you weren't, most of you were not. Um, so if you were in the first service, you'll realize this will be different. Um, I am going to share some of the same stories. I just, I didn't actually preach what I prepared, but I think I'm going to do it this service. Um, I do want to highlight two things. I know we, we just did announcements and offering, but as a, as a church, I, and you know, as your pastor, I want to encourage you of, of just one thing. We love the Sunday mornings, and we do this, and we have first service, we have second service, um, and the Lord has given us a specific assignment for these two services. But if you've never actually been to a Tuesday or Wednesday prayer set, um, which may not be feasible, but if you've never been to a, a Friday night EGS on the first and third Fridays, I would encourage you to come on out to one of them, maybe a couple of them. There's just something special about coming together um, and spending extended time in worship and prayer. Um, you know, we, we do what we do on Sunday morning for a purpose, and we do what we do on Friday night for a purpose. And so if you've never been to one of those, I do encourage you, come, check it out, be a part. Uh, especially the Friday nights, we, we end up having, you know, 10, 15-plus churches represented in the room. And there's just something about gathering together with the, the other churches in the city, other churches in this region, and coming to the place of His presence and having that extended time to kind of just let, yes, let the Lord minister to us, but to minister to him. So I just wanted to highlight, it, the, highlight those services Then some of my favorite, though I love Sunday morning too. That's why I'm here every Sunday. All right. John 14, verse six, uh, we're going to start in verse 15. I'm reading out of the New King James and I'm reading out of a physical Bible. (laughs) Most of you probably have your phones, and that's okay. All right, you guys there? All right, let's do it. John 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will bring you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live in you. You will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Father, we thank you for your word today. 
We thank you for what you're wanting to speak and do in this service. Lord, we just ask that you would open up our ears and open up our eyes to hear and to see and to understand what you're saying and what you're doing. Lord, that you would give me grace to communicate that which you've given me. And Lord, that you would give grace in this room to receive that which you want to pour out. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So a couple things that I want to point out, um, but let me, let me say this before. The, the name of this title, the title of this message, the name of this message uh, is When God Encounters You. And the reason why I've named it that way is I've, kind, I've gone on this journey, and I'm going to share some of it today, is, but I do think we kind of have had this language, or at least I've grown up with this language, is like, oh, I encountered the Lord today, or, or I was in worship and I encountered the Lord. And that, you know, that, though that may be true, I feel like the, the, the more proper way to say it is he encountered us. Because it's this reality we see in Scripture that we only love him because he first loved us. And I think what helps when, uh, you know, we make a simple switch, oh, he encountered me, is I think there's this reality that when we're saying, oh, I encountered the Lord today, there's this, maybe this thought or this viewpoint that we're the ones that are continually pursuing the Lord, and then at times we encounter him. Where the other way around, God encountered me, it's this reality that he never stops pursuing us. And I think it reminds us that we are his sons and daughters and that we have access. And I I said it to this, the first service in in briefing with the worship team, you know, the, the scriptures and we prayed today, you know, ask, seek, knock, you know, let's just take knocking. You're knocking on the door of heaven. And I think sometimes we view the pursuit of God and we're knocking on the door of heaven, but we're trying to knock as hard and as loud as we can because he's in some back room somewhere and we're trying to get his attention so that he would open the door for us. When in reality, as we're knocking on the door, he's right on the other side of it. He's not far, he's near. And I think there is this invitation today to allowing and inviting the Holy Spirit and the Lord to open the door again as we knock and realizing, Lord, come encounter us. And I think there's this, uh, this posture in our hearts where we're switching from it's all our effort to learning to receive as a child the free gifts that the Lord wants to pour out to us. You know, there's nothing we can do to earn these things. There's nothing we can do even to earn the Holy Spirit, right? We only have access because of the blood of Jesus. He is the one that has made the way for us. And I think sometimes we, we kind of get in our zeal into this mindset of, you know, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent, they take it by force and we're like breaking into heaven. You don't have to break in. You knock, he will open. You seek and you will find. He doesn't, think of it this way. I think, uh, you know, whether you do it or not, like Easter eggs, you hide in Easter eggs for kids. When I have, I have three kids. I have a seven-year-old, I have a two-year-old, and I have a three-month-old. When I'm hiding an egg for my seven-year-old, it's very different than when I hide the egg for 
my two-year-old. And I'm hiding the egg for the seven-year-old. You know, I'm making it a little bit challenging. But when I'm hiding it for Lorenzo, you know, the egg's just going right in the middle of the grass. <laughs> and I think sometimes we see the Lord hiding things from us like he does for the, my, the seven-year-old where it's this. And sometimes it is like that because he wants us to pursue it. But I think some of the simplicities of the Lord and things like, the invitation of being filled with the Holy Spirit, he is hiding it in a place that can be found. He's hiding it, he's reserving it, he's bringing it to a place because part of the joy of the whole Easter, you know, at least for us, we do it, and whether you don't, you can send me an email later if that's <laughs> against your beliefs or whatever. Um, my email is mariah at <laughs> lifecenternyc.com. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but part of the, the, the whole enjoyment of doing that is not even so much Lorenzo or Livy finding the eggs. It's, it's me as the father watching them when they find it. And when the Lord is bringing stuff to us, it's not just so that we can get it, but it's his pleasure that we find the things that he has reserved for us. Amen. And so we, I think we, we have all been in meetings, and I would say today, like where we know the Lord is in the room. I mean, you're in a worship service, you're in a, maybe in a preaching or, or in a moment, and you're just like, I can feel the Lord. And, and feel might be unique to each one of us. You know, maybe you're physically feeling, maybe it's an inward knowing, maybe it's a sensing, I don't know. But you're just like, you know that you've been in, how many of us have been in a service? You're like, yes, the Lord's here. Yeah, most of the room. And if not, you know, we're gonna talk through that. But, well, because... We'll get there. I just remember, I've I remembered seasons of my life being in services, uh, you know, grew up in church my whole life, been in countless numbers of church services, both on Sundays and throughout the week um, for years and years and years. And there are moments, not just like one Sunday, but where it's like, it feels like it's weeks on weeks or months on months where you just, you just come into church and just like the presence of the Lord is there. And I can remember services being in worship and like we're doing everything. I mean, the Lord is there. It's not even, it's not even that the music is so great, the singing is so great. I mean, the Lord is just there and, and you can tell because the whole room is responding to him as he's in the room. And I remember being in services and, and being with my friends and like we're shouting, we're jumping, we're singing as loud as we can sing, you know, every once in a while breaking out and dance, you know, just like, I don't know, doing whatever we could to respond because there just was this natural inclination in our heart. He's here, I need to respond. But I even remember times, and, we've, and we have talk, I've talked about it with my friends, where I've said, I'm like, I, I wish I could fly. Because sometimes the only response in the moment that feels is a supernatural one. Because there's such an in, intense presence of the Lord in the room that I feel like I could, I feel like, or I want to do more than just jump and dance and sing and shout and move. Like, I just feel like I, I want to do something more. And I just wish I could fly. I wish the whole room could just fly right now just to respond. You know, you guys get what I'm saying? Like these moments where it's just like, you feel like you're going to explode because he's just here. He's just shown up. And, you know, that's, that's the glory of the Lord. You know, when the glory of the Lord comes into the room, it recalibrates your heart to the awe of God. It's not just so we can have that fun moment, but there is a resetting, there is a renewing, there is a reviving of the heart, there is a changing of the mind, there is a making right the things that are wrong 
that happens in the place of his presence and his glory. And then there are moments where the glory seems to culminate to such a point where it's just like, Lord, take all of me. I don't know what else to do, but just take all of me. And then you'll see the manifestations of the spirit begin to take place. And that may look like different things. It may look like laughter. It may look like peace. It may look like a burning. It may look like tears. It may look like shouting, but it does look like a response. When his glory comes, it changes us and we respond. When his glory comes into the room, it does something to our thinking. It does something to our hunger. It does something to our thirst. And I don't know about you, but I feel like there's moments I've come in to a service like that or like this, and, and maybe I had a thousand things in my mind. I had a lot going on. I had all this schedule, and I'm like in worship. I'm like just thinking, thinking, and then the Lord shows up. And honestly, I couldn't even tell you what I was thinking about. It just seemed like all the effort to not stress or think or work just seems to dissipate in the moment that his glory comes in the room. How many of you experience that? Where you come in distracted and then he shows up and then all of a sudden this ease comes into the room. You know, that for me is the measure of success. I mean, in my life, I've had to redefine the word success as a Christian. You know, in the beginning, success is like, I'm doing all the right things. I'm, I'm not doing any of the wrong things. I'm reading my Bible and I'm doing my secret place time. Like success is checking off the to-do to list. But when, what I've come to realize that success in the kingdom of God is not checking off the to-do list. It's I am loved by God and God loves me. Therefore, I'm already successful. And I've come to learn even success in church is not the numbers in the room. Success in church is not that we, we hit the time frame the right way or we you know, did all the announcements right or we, you know, we did all the things and checked off all the boxes. Success in the churches, did he show up? Amen. Was he pleased? Was he glorified? And if he was, it doesn't matter if my preaching wasn't great. It doesn't matter if I hit the wrong chord or, or sang off key or, or whatever. My, my heart is just to connect with him. And my measuring rod of life, of church, of community has adjusted because of the power and the presence of God. And I want to point out a, a few things in this scripture, and I, I will in a second. Let me just keep telling stories. I, I'll get to this. You know, I, I, like I said before, I grew up in church. We, we happened to grow up in a, in a church that was experiencing renewal and experiencing revival. Um, and so we, we got to be in a lot of services even at a young age where the Holy Spirit was moving. And even throughout, not just, you know, even when the renewal came to an end, throughout my teenage years, you know, my young, you know, youth years, my teenage years, the Lord would show up at our church. Like, I'm sure he showed up at most of our churches. We would have moments, as I shared before, where it just seemed like revival is about to break out. You guys experience that? You're going to church and just like, I don't know what else could happen except for a major outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, there's this reality of like the capital R revival, the uppercase R revival that we're praying for. And then this like the lowercase R, like the, the personal revival, the daily revival, the revival that goes on in our family that may not be that great awakening outpouring Azusa Street that we're believing for in the nation, but there's this awakening that goes on in our personal lives, in our families, in our friends, and we don't forsake that either. So I grew up in church, and when I tell you, you know, 
it, it was just the, the kids around me, but the people around me, my friends around me, we experienced revival. We experienced revival in our youth group. We didn't necessarily grow in massive numbers that we did have a large youth group. But what I mean by that is we began to experience the presence of the Lord and we would just get together like on a Tuesday night. We don't have services on Tuesday. We'd just get together on Tuesday night and we would just talk about what happened on Sunday. And then just talking about what happened at the service would turn into praying and would turn into just encountering the presence of the Lord just in conversation. And this would happen throughout the week. And then we would just look forward. Like we couldn't wait for the next service to come because we just wanted to come together to worship and experience the presence of God. And we didn't have complete understanding. Like we're 14, we're 15, we're 16 years old. There's a thousand other things that I'm sure we would want to do, but there was something about the presence of the Lord that caught our attention and changed the way that we lived, the way that we, we, we talked. I mean, we still had our stuff. And I remember growing up in church and you know, being a young adult, being a, a teenager, and I, I wasn't you know, the manifester. I wasn't someone that often you know, would feel the presence of God. I would see it happen all around me because we grew up in a church where we saw the demonstrations of power. And I think this is important because sometimes we view our leaders and we look at us and we, we, you know, not that I've arrived, this is not tooting my own horn, but sometimes you look at the pastor, you look at the leader and you just kind of think that they've been that way their whole life and they've never been in the place that you are. Like I, I grew up with struggles. I grew up with things that I battled through and I grew up in a place where I saw the manifestations of the spirit, but I didn't necessarily experience the same thing everyone else was experiencing. I remember, you know, I had a lot of fear when I was younger. I had a lot of insecurity. I know I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. Uh, one of my greatest fears as a teenager, which is probably many people's here, was public speaking, terrified, um, hated it. I would I'd rather die than speak in public, which is a very common thing and amazing what the Lord does, and here we are now. Um, but I remember growing up, and we would have meetings when the Lord would show up in a powerful way, and I, would, and I would watch people get encountered by the Lord. I remember there was a conference going on in our church. My mom let me and my brother stay home from school. Uh, we loved when she let us stay home from school. Um, and she brought us to, to the church, to, to the meeting. A guy named Claudio, Claudio Friesen was there, who's the, the pastor that led the Argentinian revival, one of the guys. And he was ministering, and I, I forget how old I was. I had to be, you know, maybe late middle school, maybe sixth grade, seventh grade, I don't know. And I remember being in the room. Again, I'm happy to be there because I'm not in school. Um, and the guy preached, don't remember any of that. Probably was a whole service, don't remember it. What I remember is the ministry time afterwards. And he has this woman stand up from across the room. Our church had pews, and she calls her up in the back. They would do catchers. And so here my friend's dad, Ruben Greco, is running to go stand behind her because he knew something I didn't know. You know, when the Lord comes, this woman might fall, so he's going to go catch her. And so I remember, you know, Claudio speaks Spanish, so he's praying something in Spanish. Um, they understand what he's saying because they both speak Spanish. And um, this woman falls out in the presence of the Lord. And I remember watching as Reuben is running to go catch her. He doesn't, doesn't get there in time. But instead of not just getting there in time, he falls, 
he slams on the pew. I mean, echoed in the sanctuary and then rolls onto the ground. I'm like, oh, what's this? I remember that night, he calls like 30 of us, probably maybe more, maybe less of the youth to come up on the stage. And I remember my two friends were there, Christy and Anna Faye, and they got their eyes closed. And you can tell the Lord's touching them. I didn't have language for that. I could just see like they're like shaking a little bit and they have their eyes closed. Uh, and again, I'm a kid. I, I don't know anything. Like assume the position, I know nothing. I'm just like staring. Like kids are the best litmus test, litmus test because they're just, they'll just tell you exactly like it is. They say the craziest things to you. I had, my daughter came to church once with us. She sat next to this woman. She looks at her and says, why is your neck so fat? And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, things like, thank God the woman, bless her heart. She turns, she goes, yes, my, my neck is fat. It's just like, it's just like, so it's like, I'm coming with that type of, have no idea what's going on. Um, and so I'm watching my friends though, and they got their eyes closed and Claudio just kind of goes like this, just waves at them and they fall out. Cool. But then they're on the ground and he goes like this. Again, eyes closed and they're both their bodies at the same time turn to the same direction he waves his hand. And then he goes through and he, and he starts to lay hands on everyone on the stage. Uh, and, and he laid hands on everyone and they all fell out except me. He, he didn't lay hands on me and I, and I don't know why. But I do remember... Um, leaving that moment feeling like the Lord had passed me by. And, and I was young and I didn't quite know, but I, but I was watching these things happen and there was this, this desire in my heart for more. Um, and what I, I began to realize, because I'm going to tell you some more stories, is at this point in my life and, and as I was preparing my message for this week, I was thinking back on that moment. And the Lord spoke to me this week as I was preparing. He says, you know, Rich, you felt like the Lord passed you, that I passed you by and you're wondering why didn't this guy lay hands on me and you thought that you didn't get an encounter that I had just encountered everyone else. But what you didn't realize is I encountered you too. And he began to show me that throughout my life, even in moments where maybe I didn't receive or nothing was happening to me, but I was watching these things happen throughout the room that I was learning the ways of God. And I was experiencing him by seeing with my eyes the manifestation of the power of God. And I remember in sixth grade going to Toronto and that would be the first time, again, no one laid, laid, had laid a hands on me and no one laid hands on me in Toronto, it was just in the back of the room. And we were in worship and I began to feel the presence of God. And, and in that moment, maybe he revealed it the sovereign thing, I just knew, oh, this, this is the Lord. And for the first time in my life, I knew this thing that I'm feeling in the worship service, this is God. And in that moment, I began to realize and look back and throughout the years, this same thing that I feel as a sixth grader in Toronto, I felt my whole life being in that room in my church, drawing on an offering envelope. That feeling that I feel that was Lord. I didn't know it was him the whole time, but it was him. I remember after coming home from Toronto, um, you know, my heart was on fire. I had this hunger for more of God and I just, I just wanted him. I just wanted to spend time with him. And there was that same swirling going on in our church and in our, our youth group. I remember there were times that in our church we had a uh, you know, two doors on the side and the front, we had two doors in the back, that in moments where the presence of the Lord would come in seasons at our church, 
oil would start to drip from the doorposts, from the molding and the doorways leading to the sanctuary. No other doors in the church, just those doorways. You know, and at first the elders were like, well, maybe someone's doing it. So they would, they would wipe it clean. But after they wiped it clean, this oil would just start to bead out of the wood and drip. And that, wouldn't, that didn't happen once. That happened over years, not every week, but in seasons of time, the oil would start to come and it would be a sign for our church, okay, the Lord wants to do something in our midst. And I remember being a kid, like seeing some of these signs and wonders. I remember um, being in the sanctuary, you know, after service or later in the night, because at times a lot of my friends volunteered at the church. So I spent a lot of time in the church, but just going into the sanctuary and just sitting quietly. And and do you know that sound when you wet a towel? You know, if you have siblings, you like wet the towel and you try to like snap them with the towel. (laughs) Do you know that snapping, that clapping sound the towel makes? I remember sitting in the sanctuary like by myself many, many times and just hearing that sound snap, 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 and just knowing, okay, I don't know if this is angels. I don't know what this is, but there's there's supernatural activity going on in in this room and in in the midst of us. I, I remember, you know, throughout that process, again, this hunger. I wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I grew up Assemblies of God, so that meant, you know, you got to get the gift of tongues, right? So that was the, the, the measuring rod. And so I'm like, I want the gift of the tongues. I want to speak in tongues. I remember going up dozens and dozens and dozens of times, and, uh, you know, it just didn't happen. It didn't happen. And, and I remember I was 17 years old. I go to a birthday party, random. We were at, at a birthday party, me and my brother, um, and someone happens to be there, and they're like, hey, does everyone here speak in tongues? And I'm like, no, I don't. We don't. And at a birthday party, they pray for us, and we just get filled with the Spirit, and we start speaking in tongues. I remember uh, some years later, I end up going, when I was 19, I go to, to the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Uh, and I'm in school there, and, and so many testimonies from that time, but the one I wanted to highlight today is we got a prayer assignment. We were in, had an intercession class with Corey Russell. He's like, I want you to pray for a family member for their salvation. So I picked my, my Aunt Marion. Uh, it was my father's aunt. Uh, she had battled cancer on and off. I think this was her third bout or fourth bout, ten, like the 10th year in, and she was pretty much nearing her, her deathbed. Uh, and it's not that she didn't go to church. She wanted nothing to do with church and wanted nothing to do with God her whole life. And I remember uh, picking her and every day, you know, just praying and praying and praying. And I remember this moment in the prayer room. Um, and similar to this, it's like chairs, you have worship going on. But the only difference would be like on a Sunday morning, we're all standing, we're engaging, we're worshiping because that's what they're to do. But in a prayer room, at IHOP, for those who don't know, they go 24 hours a day, and they've been going 24 hours a day for years and years. So everyone in the room is not necessarily fully engaged in worship, like hands up. A lot of people are just there uh, reading. Some people are there working. And I say that because uh, everyone's not distracted by lifting up their hands. They're paying attention a little bit what's going on. And so I'm just doing something. Uh, I don't know if I was studying or doing homework. I'm in the room, and I think maybe we go into a Someone probably said, let's pray for unsaved family members or friends. And so I start praying for my aunt. And in that moment, I start to weep. And I had never done that before. That wasn't something, yeah, I've cried before. I'd never wept in intercession, like in prayer for her. But I I just started to weep, like uncontrollably weep, like ugly cry. You know, like ugly, like snot. There's no tissues anywhere. Um, I'm behind my computer. People are looking at me now. You know, like I said, it's, it's more, so like, I'm, I start to 
ugly cry. And I, I just remember like crawling and going underneath the table just to like get out of the viewpoint because I knew the Lord was meeting me in intercession. And I don't remember if it was that night or, or a couple nights later, but my, my mom calls me and, you know, she said, you'll never, you know, you never believe what was happening with, with Aunt Marion. Like, what, what's going on? So Marion's daughter's name is Corrine. So Corrine called me uh, and she said that her, that my Aunt Marion, that she wants to change her religion. So, you know, Corrine didn't grow up in church. So Corrine was like, well, what do you want to be, mom? Do you want to be a Buddhist? Do you want to be, you know, Islam? Like, what do, what do you want to do? She goes, no, I, I want to be a born again. And so, you know, the only pastor we knew, like in Paramus, that maybe would be available was this Lutheran pastor. So we called this guy, who's I love him. You know, he was like, we had a, he ended up doing her, her funeral because um, she gave she gave her life to the Lord through his, with his prayer and with his ministry, and obviously with my parents praying for her. Um, and he said, he goes, I love you, Charismatics. You'd like to do the joy on the outside. Us Lutherans, we 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 do the joy on the inside. And it was a sweet guy. His name was Pastor Jumbo. Like, it was an awesome guy. Um, but he, he went, prayed with her, and, and right before she goes, I think she died maybe a couple days or a week later, but she gave her life to the Lord. And I say all of these stories, and I have one more to tell, but the Lord was teaching me. You know, I was in Bible school. I was learning in the scriptures. I grew up in church. We were in the scriptures. We were learning theology. We went to Sunday school. Like, I, I, I was doing the right Christian thing to learn what I, what I should learn about the Lord and about the kingdom of God and, and seeking his word to the best that I could, messages and sermons coming forth. But he began to teach me through his river, through the encounters, through the outpourings of the Holy Spirit. He began to teach me his ways. And in that season, I began to grab hold of a verse. And I, I should have wrote it. I have it somewhere in my notes, but someone will shout it out. But it's the verse with, with Paul where he says, I don't come just with persuasive words of human wisdom, but I come with demonstrations or manifestations of the spirit and of power. And as a young man, I began to grab a hold of that verse saying, Lord, I don't just want to know your word and teach your word. I don't want to just be more persuasive. And honestly, I wasn't that persuasive. I was terrified of public speaking. So this verse encouraged me because I knew it, it's not just about my eloquent of speech. Lord, I want to learn how to move in the manifestations of the spirit and power. And I want to know that. And he began to show me those ways of encountering people around me and encountering me. First Corinthians 2.4, thank you, Bill. 1 Corinthians 2.4 is that verse for those who are taking notes. And I remember one last story. I remember going to another conference. Uh, it was in Virginia. Sanctuary was diamond shape. I mean, say it that way because in the back, you know, it kind of went up into these bleachers. And so it felt like a really like wide and long room. And I remember there was an offering message. For those of you who don't know conference culture and, and charismatic world, they're like 15 to 20 minutes. I don't know why, but they are, which I'm totally fine with. I'm not against it or for it. It's just indifferent, but they're long. Um, and so it's preaching like a 15-minute offering sermon. And I remember during that little offering sermon, maybe halfway through, the back corner of the room, up on top of the bleachers, uh, you could hear it at first, but then you could almost see it there was like this commotion. And I look back like, what's going on? But these people started to get encountered with the Holy Spirit. And I, I watched it 
come down the bleachers, meaning like this back corner is getting hit by the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, it's like this wave coming across the room and it's coming towards me. And all of these people are just starting to get filled and get refreshed and get touched by the Holy Spirit. And I remember coming towards me, and then it comes to me, and I don't even know what happened. All I knew is I end up underneath the pew. And I kid you not, I thought I was maybe dehydrated and I was blacking out because that's what it felt like, and that was the experience. Like, I, I, I was seeing black. Uh, I was feeling like I'm going to pass out. I don't know what's going on. And I literally was like, Lord, help me. That was the prayer, help me. Help me right now. I don't help. I, like, something's wrong. Help. Um, and then, and then it, it lifted. And then I, I remember, I don't know if it was the same day or another service the next day, um, going up, there was two or three of us. We went to the altar to respond to the altar call. It was a big altar. The altar probably was the size of, of this room. And so we stood like in the back of the altar and there the guys are ministering, um, Georgian Banoff and, and uh, Roland Baker are ministering the front. And I remember he looks towards us in the back. There's two or three of us together. And uh, I don't know if it was Georgian or... or or um, Georgian or Roland, one of the two, doesn't matter. One of them goes like this, and I don't know what happened. I literally got lifted up off, my, off the floor and went over the first two row of chairs and landed in the aisle. I'm not joking. And not just me, me and the kid next to me. Um, and, and then I get up, I'm like, Lord, what just happened? I, I don't, you know, I didn't know what was going on. All I knew is this was the power of God. And as I had shared the earlier story, the whole point is it wasn't about the manifestation. What it was about is he was wetting my appetite in my heart for the more of him, that there is power and there's manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you some scripture ones too, so it's not just Rich's weird stuff, okay? (laughs) But there is a power that I began to get exposed to and said, Lord, I, there's more. There's more to this, this Christian life than just doing the Sunday morning and the Wednesday midweek service and just going through the motions. I want to encounter the living God. Amen. Turn with me to Genesis 2, verse 10. All the way back in the beginning. Genesis 2, verse 10. We're going to read... To verse 14. It says, now a river. Oh, this one point. So the takeaway from the conference, because I didn't quite know what I was stepping into, but the takeaway from the conference is at the end of that offering message, he gave a challenge. He said to the room, he said, I, I want to challenge you to jump in the river of God and never jump out. He gave us this, this invitation Come to the river of God, but don't just come to it. Jump in and never jump out. And so I began to ponder that. And I want to read this, a couple scriptures here about the river of God. Genesis 2, verses 10 to 14. This is in the Garden of Eden. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and it became four riverheads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. And then Bedillium and the onyx stone are there. And the name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hidekel. 
is the one which goes towards the east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. And why am I reading this? Because this, this is a picture of the river of God. I'm going to read the Ezekiel account too. Um, but it's one river that went into four parts, and it has meaning, and it's right in the beginning. It's established. What is the river of God? What does this mean? And so that first part of the river, uh, Pishon, that word means increase. The second river, Gihon, it means bursting forth or breakthrough. The word Hidekel, the name for that river means rapid or rapid acceleration. And I don't know why it's Euphrates because the actual word is Peroth. So I don't know how we get from Peroth to Euphrates, but we do. So the original word for Euphrates is Peroth, and it means fruitfulness. And God was established something. What, what was Eden? Eden was the original intention of God for humanity. It was the place of intimacy. And why do I bring this up? Because encounters with the Lord, encounters in the secret place, are invitations to intimacy with God. It's invitations into the place where he comes to be with us and we come to be with him. It's a picture of Eden. It's a picture of being restored back to walking like Adam and Eve did in the cool of the day with the Lord. And one of the pictures of one of the things that exists in the place of intimacy is the river of God. And the river of God has four parts. And when you dwell in intimacy and you spend time in the secret place of the Lord and you invite and have encounters with God, these four things exist, not just in the place where he lives, in, the, in you. When you're connected to God, these four things are constantly happening and moving. In his river, he can bring increase. In his river, he brings a bursting forth or breakthrough. In his river, he can bring rapids or rapid acceleration. In his river, he brings fruitfulness to your life. When we position ourselves in the river of God, in the place of encounter, in the place of his presence, these four things exist. In Ezekiel 47, you get the account of the river of God as, uh, as it's coming underneath the threshing floor. And it says the river is going through and, and it becomes ankle deep and then knee deep and then waist deep. Then it becomes a river so deep that one must jump to swim across. And it says that there were trees planted by the river that was coming from the kingdom of God. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations and that wherever the river went, it brought life. And in that passage in Ezekiel, it goes into the ocean and it brings life to the fish. There's this picture of the church being trees that are, whose roots are planted by the streams of living water. What are the streams of living water? It's the river of God. It's when you root yourself in his breakthrough. It's when you root yourself in his acceleration. It's when you root yourself in his fruitfulness. It's when you root yourself in the reality of his increase that comes from the place of meeting with him, of encounter, of the secret place. And I want to read Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3. You guys with me? Okay. Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf 
also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I'm not saying that we will never go through hard times. I think we will. What I'm saying is that we can position ourselves in such a way where we jump in the river of God, we live in the place of his presence, in the secret place where we're inviting this, this reality where we can begin to experience the benefits of his river, the benefits of his nearness. And there is this rooting in the river of God, which is the place of encounter that brings, I want to just list seven things. I think it brings more, but I think it brings a revelation of who he is to us. Not who he isn't or what you don't know about him, but it, his river or his presence or these moments of encounter, they remind us of what we know about him. Does that make sense? When you begin to encounter the Lord, for me at least, when I see signs and wonders, when I see the Lord pour out, it tells me that this, this book that I'm reading, it's all true. That this is not just a, a religion or a practice, but this is a real relationship with a real God who really exists. And when I encounter his presence and his power, it reminds me, oh, that is you. And you are God and you are real. I think it brings us to a place of trust that the river of life will take things from death to life, even when we don't see it. I think uh, when we root ourselves in the river of God, it opens up the scripture to us. I think when we read the scripture, just, you know, just to read it, I think we do get value at it. I think we do get history out of it. But I think there's something about opening up the word of God and saying, okay, Holy Spirit, teach me. Reveal things to me. Help me. And reading the word with him. I think the river of God and rooting ourselves, it helps show us what he has done, what he did at the cross, that every testimony flows out of the place of redemption. I think the river of God helps bring the word of the Lord for the season that we're in. I think there's moments where he comes and he encounters us. You know, sometimes we need the Lord to reveal something for today and for this season. Sometimes we need the Lord to come in and let us know, hey, I'm gonna do this thing. I'm gonna say this thing. You're going through this thing. You're going through this situation, but there is a purpose. Sometimes we need him to come in because he wants to bring assignments. There's things he's asking us to do. Sometimes I think he wants to come in because he wants to anoint us for something for a specific time and a specific season. And I think what happens when we receive of the river of God is we begin to live a life of partnership, daily partnership and daily interaction with the Lord. I believe the river brings us to a place of fellowship because the river of God is the place where his people gather. And when we gather around the place of his presence, we find the people of God. And it brings us into communion and it brings us into fellowship. Why do you need that? Because you find people who will encourage you and speak life into you and help you. They find the water that you need to drink from the river. And I believe the river of God brings prophetic words to our life. And that prophetic Words brings hope to our soul and to our heart. 
You see, when we encounter the Lord, it is a holy thing. When the Lord encounters us, I, I think of like Moses, right? Moses was walking in the desert and it wasn't uncommon in the desert for a bush to be burning. I think sometimes we think of the, we read the burning bush story and, and it's like, oh, of course you turn around, there's a bush on fire. Well, it wasn't uncommon for a bush to be on fire. It was the desert. It was actually pretty common. But there was something about this bush that caught his attention and caught Mo, uh, caused Moses to turn to his side, turn aside, recognize the Lord was in this flame and take his shoes off and say, the sandals off and say, the, the ground that I'm standing on, this is holy ground. There's moments where the Lord meets you and he meets us that causes us to turn aside, to shift what we're doing, to hear what he's saying and to change the posture to recognize the moment or the season or the calling he's bringing us into. In 2 Timothy 3, 5, it talks about a people who have a form of religion but have no power. A people who know, like the Pharisees, the, you know, these Pharisees, the Sadducees, these, these people, these guys, they, they were casting judgment according to the law, casting judgment on people who did not fulfill the law that they couldn't fulfill themselves. So they were the keepers of the law. They were keepers of, of a form of religion, but they had no power because they had no experience. In fact, when the king of all the earth showed up in front of them, the professionals of the keepers of the law and religion could not even recognize the presence of the one who the scriptures wrote about, who they devoted their lives to learn about. There is something inside of us that becomes awakened to the presence of God that will illuminate the word and the ways of God that we learn in the scripture. And that something inside of us is the Holy Spirit. One of the things that encounters did for me is it gave me vision for my life. I love what Bill was saying, you know, this, this life is not a sprint, it's, it is a marathon. And one of the prayers that I've prayed, I prayed it for myself, I pray it for others in ministry time, is Lord, I, I don't wanna just burn today. I wanna go 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and I want you to still find me here burning. Amen. And that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for this church, is that we would not be a, you know, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023 church, and then we're not here 40 years from now. We are stoking the flames of revival in, the, in our hearts as individuals, on the altar as a tabernacle, as a church, so the fire on the altar of this house and the altar of our hearts will never go out. Amen. That we would have vision to go the long haul. It's, I think, the Isaiah. You know, young men stumble and fall. They grow weary. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. He shall lift them up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I, I've, I've spoken this here before, 
we, I think one of our assignments is we are a church. I think every church is assignment, but we've said yes to it and we do it. We go, we do, the, do evangelism, we do outreach, we, we do the Bowery Mission, we do the, the once a month outreach on the streets with, with Miralee and Sherwin and, and Dean and all the different things that we're doing. Thank you guys for doing that. Thank you for the ones that have been going. You know, there is this go of the gospel, but there is also this weight of the gospel. There is this reality of this ebb and flow of going and waiting. It's, it's the same picture of when Jesus was on the earth and he was with his disciples and he sends them out, sends out the 72 and they're doing signs and wonders and they come back and they talk about what happened and they're saying, this demon submits in our name and this healing happened. And, and Jesus goes, well, I saw Satan fall like lightning and, and they're having this testimony time of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then upon Jesus's departure from the earth, after his death, his resurrection, he's being with them. He, he doesn't say, now go out again two by two. He says, no, you're going to get sent down again. He gives them the great commission, go into all the world. But wait, in Jerusalem, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And it gave this beginning point of the church where you see in Acts 1 and you see in Acts 2 the, this company that waits for the power of the Lord and then the Holy Spirit falls upon them. And I think they liked it so much that they kind of stayed there for a decade and then it wasn't until persecution came. Then they went out into the whole earth because they kind of just stuck in Jerusalem. Um, I mean, that was the reality. That's actually what happened. Um, persecution came and then they finally went out to go do the Great Commission. But the, there was an establishing in the early church, the Acts church, for the Holy Spirit came, filled them, endued them with power, signs and wonders, manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The Lord added to their number thousands daily. And then we see again in Acts 4 an outpouring. And then we see again in Acts 9 an outpouring. And we see in Acts 15 outpouring. And we go on to see that there was this ebbs and flows. There was these weight and this go. Even in the ministry of the Apostle Paul, he's trying to go into to modern day Europe, to Asia Minor. And two or three times the Holy Spirit says, not yet. Not yet, not yet. And then he finally ends up going because he has the vision of the man in Macedonia saying, come and help. And then never finds a man in Macedonia. He actually founds a group of women praying and starts a church with a group of women. Um, amen, women. It should have been. That was the moment to get excited. It's okay. But anyway, the whole point is there is this reality that they didn't just go with what they had. They went with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They had this culture in the early church that when they gathered, God would show up in the midst of them. You know, Bill mentioned the scripture where two or three are gathered, but even in Revelation, in, in the uh, chapter one, two, three, we see how it talks about the lampstands and the lampstands are the church. And it says that he is the God who walks in the midst of the lampstands. They understood that the God that they served wasn't distant, that even though Jesus was to go up, they believed that he would send the helper and he did. And they understood that they were going to establish the church as one who lives with the helper, who is the Holy Spirit. And that there would be continual infilling, so much so that it, they wouldn't just lead the church based on the scriptures that they had, but they would lead the church with with. Uh, the Lord speaking to them. It's how you have that Acts 15, the council uh, in Jerusalem where they're talking about what do we do with the Gentiles that are being saved in masses? Because we all thought that this gospel was just for the Jews, but now the gospel, the gospel is going to the Gentiles. Not only are they receiving the truth, but they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit in the same way. Peter has the, the vision of the sheet that comes down. Don't call unclean what I call clean. And then James says, oh, I know what this is. This is the Amos 9:11. In the last days, I will 
uh, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, that there's something about the booth of David that's being reestablished in this Acts 15 reality that this Gentile people group is recognized in the Amos 9, 11, 12 to be the remnant of Edom, Jacob and Esau, Israel, you know, Jew and Gentile. And they're leading the church with the word of God, sound doctrine, and the power of the Holy Spirit and in encounters and dreams and visions and manifestations and healings and signs and wonders. This is what the early church looked like. And this is what he invites the church to look like today. And the beauty of it is it's not just for the leaders. He establishes that early church. I'm going to go there, Mariah. He establishes the early church. And he says, here's your goal. Here's your assignment. Your assignment isn't to go do all the stuff yourself. Your assignment is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Amen. Meaning these encounters, these visitations, these dreams, these signs and wonders, these giftings, these stories that I'm talking about that I've, I've experienced that we see in the scripture, this is for you too. It's for every person in the room. We see it in Genesis 3, Adam and the Eve, after they sin, after they, you know, are deceived by the serpent and we have the whole thing. We see in Genesis 3 that they're, they're hiding from God. And even in their hiding from God, God comes down in the cool of the day and says, where are you? Even in the midst of their failure, God pursued them Amen. and encounters them and clothes them, covers their shame. Genesis 28, we see Abraham. He has a dream. And in the dream, the Lord speaks to him and says, I am the Lord, the God, excuse me, it's Jacob in the dream. He says, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham. And Jacob has this dream of Jacob's ladder is what we call it, you know, in Sunday school, but it's this ladder of angels ascending and descending. And then he wakes up from the dream and he says, you know, this is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. And he called that place Bethel, the place where the Lord dwells, the house of God, because he, he said, I, I didn't realize that the Lord was in this place. And I think there's moments like that, even like Jacob, where we'll end, we'll be in, maybe in our car on the subway and all of a sudden the Lord will show up and be like, Lord, you're in this place. Why is he in the place? It's not because, well, I say that, but I think there are times like Pool of Bethesda, like moments where the Lord does dwell in a place. But he's in the places we are because we're there. Because we are there. Because where we are, there he is with us. Because as Christians, he dwells with us. You know, from that, we see Exodus 3. We just said Moses, right? The burning bush moment. We said the whole story. But the point I want to bring for that moment is he was encountering Moses for Moses. Moses had a lot of encounters, and many of the times he was receiving instruction for the nation. But in that moment, he was receiving instruction from Moses. Some of the encounters you're going to have isn't just because he wants to show you something to go tell everyone. Sometimes he just wants to encounter you for you. Sometimes he just wants to show up and fill you because he just wants you to know that he sees you and he knows you and he loves you. Sometimes the encounter isn't even tied to an assignment. It's just tied to your identity. We see Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
The angel of the Lord appears to her and she says, do not be afraid for you have found favor with God. This paraphrase, you see the whole account, Luke 1, verse 26 to 38. And you, can, you can read it later. But when Gabriel first greeted Mary, she was greatly troubled, as I imagine most of us would be if an angel appeared right before us. But the thing that I love is she ends up having a conversation with him. And in that moment of encounter, she begins to ask questions of the angel, of Gabriel. And Mary knew that she could trust what Gabriel said as he promised, for no word from God will ever fail. And this promise ultimately led to God's son breaking into the world. Uh, We know Jesus came from Mary. But one of the things that Mary responds She responds to this conversation. She says, let it be to me according to your word. She didn't understand it. She she asked a bunch of questions. She's trying to gain clarity in this moment where she's startled. But she says, okay, I don't get it. I don't quite know how it's gonna happen, but let it be to me according to your word. Or another way you could say it, may your word to me be fulfilled. She was basically saying amen. She was coming into agreement And I think there are times where the Lord encounters us and we don't always understand. I shared some stories. I don't quite know why all of those things were part of my experience, but I've learned to respond to the Lord with, I don't know what you're doing or why you're doing it, but amen. I say yes. I say yes to what you're doing. I say yes to your call. I say yes to your son. I say yes to what you're saying. I don't know what else to do, but say yes in this moment. I think encounters can bring clarity. I think with the disciples, we see this over and over and over again. You know, Jesus would come, he would do something, he would perform a miracle. I think of like, uh, you know, they couldn't cast out a demon. So then rightly so, the, the father's like, hey, these guys can't do it. Can you do it? And so then Jesus casts out the demon out of the child, and then looks to the disciples who are bewildered, like, why, why weren't we able to do this? And he says, well, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And what's the point I'm making here is I think that we'll have moments where the encounters in the Lord will look like experiences and learning and growing and asking questions and getting clarity. I think when we encounter the Holy Spirit, when we have encounters with the Lord, it begins to bring questions to the things answers to the questions that we've been asking. And I think sometimes we encounter the Lord because he just wants to reveal a part of who he is to us. For me, I think of, again, Revelation. In the throne of heaven, you have the four living creatures and nonstop they cry out, holy, 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 and they have eyes all around and within and it just gives this, this, uh, this picture of this constant revelation that they're having as they're beholding the Lord, as they're beholding the Lamb on the throne, that just causes them to have this natural response to over and over and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. I, I think... As I, I think I said it, this service in the beginning, maybe I didn't, but the, we, we'll go all eternity discovering things about the Lord. And part of what he'll do in this life is he'll encounter us to reveal to us things about himself. Sometimes it might look like you're in the scripture reading a verse 
that you've read a dozen times and then all of a sudden you understand what it says. Not even because you read a commentary or book or someone explained to it, but the Lord reveals to you understanding. That's what happens in the presence of the Lord. Last example, in 1 Kings, we see Elijah. And, And I love this. I love this moment. You know, Elijah's running from Jezebel and, um, you know, he's dealing with King Ahab. He's dealing with Jezebel. He, he just did the whole, you know, you guys call down fire on your altar. I'm going to call down fire. My altar pours water on his altar. And obviously we know the story. The fire of God comes and consumes his altar, um, kills the prophets of, of Baal, gets, you know, Jezebel really angry. Jezebel says, you know, I'm gonna, now I'm going to kill you this time by tomorrow. And then and he goes and runs off. And we could preach a whole message on that. But the part I want to highlight is he has seen some dramatic things. And the Lord has showed up in dramatic ways. He just showed up with fire from heaven consuming the altar. And he goes to seek the Lord. And some of you have read it, so you know the story. He wasn't in, in the thunder. He wasn't in the lightning. He, wasn't, he was in the whisper, in the still, small voice. Sometimes the Lord comes in and it's not this grandiose encounter and it's not the shaking and it's not the falling out and it's not the dream. Sometimes he just comes in and just his whisper can change everything. And in the whisper, he says, okay, Elijah, now go back. And he gave him an assignment, obviously, in that moment. You know, anoint a new king, go and anoint your replacement. And I forget the third one right now. Uh, and it, the first thing he does is he comes to the, to the field and the Lord had revealed Elisha to him. And he finds Elisha tending uh, to the livestock and he takes his mantle and he throws it over Elisha's shoulders. And anoints, in that moment, Elisha becomes anointed and, and get, gets called. And I mean, the story goes on, but in the whisper, the rest of Elijah's life was laid out for him. And I think sometimes when we do think of encounters, and if I can have the worship team come up, I think we can look and measure it on these grandiose things like we've talked a little bit about today and as we've seen in Scripture. But I'm telling you, he wants to show up in your life. Maybe it is going to be in the shaking. Maybe it is going to be in a dream. Maybe it is going to be in a visitation. Maybe... It's going to be in, he opens up the word to you. Maybe it's going to be in the small whisper, but he is and wants and desires to encounter you. And I said it in the beginning, it's not this reality of knocking as hard as we can or, you know, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, so we're we're trying to break into heaven. You don't have to break in. You You have access. The scripture tells us that we were crucified with Christ. We were buried with Christ. We were raised with him. We were seated in the heavenly places with Christ. We, because of his blood, because of his body, we have access to his throne. It says that's why we with unveiled faces, making a connection to Moses who would have to go before the presence of the Lord with a veiled face. You know, Elijah, when he went before the presence of the Lord, took his mantle and shielded his face because in that day you couldn't come before the presence of the Lord face to face. There had to be a shield. There had to be a veil. But we, as New Testament believers, we 
get to come with unveiled faces, how much even more does the Lord want to give to us than he did to these guys? And I think sometimes we, we do get into this place where it's like, oh no, that's for them, it's not for me. But listen to even what Jesus said, the, the greatest prophet, the Old Testament, John, John the Baptist, right? The least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. Because there's this reality of New Testament, New Covenant living where we have access to the Holy Spirit who now dwells in us that opens up a door to power of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, that the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, these crazy stories, they didn't even have access to. It's why in the New Covenant, a statement such as this, and you will do the works that Christ did and even more, even greater works than these. That offends the heart of the humble Christian who comes and says, no, no, I, I only must decrease and God must increase. And, and I get that. I get the walking in humility and we do walk in humility, but there is a call to increase. We see it as one of the four parts of the river of God. There is a call like the Apostle Paul said, to come into the place, into your world, not just with persuasive words of human wisdom, but with manifestations of the Spirit and of power. And I believe the Lord wants to release a season of perpetual encounter in our midst and in this city. I wanna, I wanna pray for two things. I think the Lord wants to break off the fear of man. I think many of us, have been dealing with the fear of man for our, most of our lives. And that's one of those, it's, I feel like it's one of the things that has caused a delay in our lives of breakthrough because we are still wrestling and dealing with the fear of man. Meaning, what, what does that mean? What's the fear of man? Meaning man's opinion has become more important than God's opinion of your life. And man's opinion has crippled you so much that you can no longer listen or walk in the fullness of the voice and the truth of what the Lord has said and is leading you in. And I feel like he wants to break off the fear of man off of, off of many of us that's holding us back. I believe that there's been a muzzle on the prophetic voices, not just in this house, but all across the church. I feel like there has been a pride masked as fear because I don't think it's fear that's been shutting down the prophetic voices. I think it's actually pride because we don't want to get it wrong. And we're no longer willing to take a risk and be childlike and get it wrong. And so then we stay silent instead of actually speaking what the Lord has asked us to speak. And I feel like the Lord wants to break pride off and give the gift of humility, of childlikeness to step out and to prophesy and to move in the gifts of God again. But I do specifically believe that there's a prophetic anointing that's gonna increase in this house. And there's prophetic voices that the Lord has put into this house. Juliana is one of them. I was praying for her. I felt like the Lord was gathering again the, and building again the eagle's nest and a school of the prophetic in our midst. And I don't say that because I think there's gonna be literally a school or maybe, I don't know. I just feel like the Lord wants to bring again a maturity of the prophetic in this house. It takes humility to step out and give a prophetic word because we realize we hear in part and we know in part. But 
I feel like the prophetic voices have been silenced and sometimes it's been by our own doing and we want to activate that again in our lives. And I, I also want to say, I'm saying this out because I feel like I need to say it out because as I'm saying it, it's already happening. We're going to pray, but some of you, the fear of man has already come off of you. Some of you, your, the blocking of your prophetic gifting has already been lifted off just because we spoke it out, okay? And I feel like there's a group here, you, the Lord is calling you to be a leader, meaning like, I don't just mean, I feel like we're all called to be leaders. I feel like every person in this room is called to lead in some way, shape, or form, but I feel like there is a physical assignment for some of you where the Lord is going to call you to lead in your workplace, to lead in church, to lead in your friend circle, to be leaders in your family, and you have been, uh, in a way, not stepping in, not doing the quick obedience. And what do I mean by that? Uh, I feel like He's been saying, I want you to lead your family in this, and you haven't done it yet. I feel like he's saying, I want you to lead your small group in this thing and you haven't said anything yet. I feel like I, the Lord's saying, I want you to lead this type of thing at your job, at your workplace, and you haven't stepped into it yet. And there's a bunch of different reasons for that. But if that's you, I just want you to stand up. If you know the Lord's been nudging you to lead in certain areas and you've delayed to do it, I feel like it's, it's gonna be quite a few of us, okay? Just put your hands out before the Lord. Lord, I thank you for these kingdom leaders. I'm sorry, I forget your name. I know we prayed for you. Can you remind me of your name? Sasha. Can you come up, Sasha? The Lord's been highlighting you. This is the second week. I feel like the Lord's highlighting. I just want you to come up. If you could just stretch your hands out. Just face me. They're going to stretch. Juliana, could you just come up? Yeah. You could face me and we're going to lay hands on you. Tam or whoever wants to come up too. Lord, we just, if you could just stretch your hands out towards her. I just feel like the Lord has his hand on your life. Sasha, he's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you go. The Lord said he's not going to let you go. He's going to keep you. He's going to sustain you. He's going to keep you. I feel like he's saying that this part of your life feels hard, but it's not always going to be this hard. Lord, I thank you for, for a fresh infilling for Sasha. Lord, I thank you that you're keeping her, that you're guiding her. And Lord, I thank you for the freedom that's coming over her life even now. That you do, you call her as a leader and you're building her up to be a mighty woman of God. You just close your eyes. Lord, we just, we pray that you would fill her to overflow right now. Lord, even as a church, we speak strength, strength over you. I think of Aaron and her lifting up. Moses' hands, we lift up your hands even prophetically right now for the battles that you're going through. We lift up your hands in the spirit. And Lord, we thank you right now for victory. We thank you that she is going to win, that she is going to see victory because it's for freedom that you've set her free. So we call forth the goal that's inside of her. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for everyone in this room right now that's standing, that you've called to be a leader in X, Y, and Z. You guys know what it is. Just bring that before the Lord right now. Father, that you would breathe upon it, that you would anoint them, that you would encourage them, that you would fill them to overflow. But Lord, I just say, Lord, would you put an acceleration upon their heart to step into that which you're calling them to. Some of you guys, you're going to begin to see signs and wonders and whatever that 
was for you, whether it was the workplace, whether it was your family, whatever it was, the Lord wants to do mighty things. He's just waiting for your yes. And so we do, Lord. We say yes. We say yes to what you're doing. In your own way, just say yes to it. And we're going to go into worship. If you... you want to respond to even the things that we're talking about today and you just want someone to to partner with you and to pray with you and to ask the Holy Spirit to come and encounter you afresh and anew I do invite you to come up for those of you that need to go we bless you as you go we bless you as you go this week that you continue but Lord I declare over this whole room Lord, would you release a season of perpetual encounter that you would begin to show up in mighty ways. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at Life Center NYC or YouTube at Life Center Church NYC.